comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Netflix, no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Special Hurricane Edition here. We're a little short-staffed. Uh, myself uh, here under the hurricane lamps uh, having a hurricane party, and I'm joined by Mr. Russell Latham and Mr. Brad Milo. How are you today, sirs? Ain't no party like a hurricane party. Yeah, I'm I'm dry. I can't, you know, can't say much for the rest of everybody. You guys are far enough inland to, to not be affected by the uh, storm of the century or the Frankenstorm or the zombie or Superstorm or whatever they're calling it now. Yeah, what does Frankenstorm mean? I think it's just a take on Halloween. Okay, I can deal with that. But anywho, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about, uh, well, quite a few things Walking Dead related. But first, before we get to that, Russ, would you, uh, in brief, tell us who our wonderful sponsors are, please? Yes, our sponsor for this episode is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can save tons of money on your comic orders every month. Uh, you know, trades, hardcovers, toys, trinkets, whatever you want. They've got tons of stuff. You can go to their website at DCBService.com. Uh, I love the Excel order form because I'm just kind of funny that way and like things neat and orderly and get totals. Um, but some of the things to highlight this month, uh, like we like we talked about last week on uh, Walking Dead related for for this month, and if you hurry quick, you can still get your October order in. The November orders will be out soon, so we'll have all kinds of cool stuff to talk about next week. Um, but just again, some shout outs real quick. The Walking Dead Omnibus Hardcover Volume Four uh, retail price of a hundred dollars. This is a uh, two hardcovers, so this is you're going to get twenty four issues um, in a very nice oversized uh, slipcase edition. For forty percent off at sixty dollars, so um, a, a definitely a, a good deal on that. They also have the volume three hardcover for forty percent off. So if you want to just kind of double dip and get caught up, um, also uh, Walking Dead number one hundred five. So continuing the monthly track, um, regular price two ninety nine. You can get it for forty percent off at one seventy nine. Most Marvel, DC, and and Image comics monthly comics are going to be forty percent off of either the two ninety nine or three ninety nine price. Every month, there's a, a great special going on this month for DC hardcovers and trades. All of the DC hardcovers and trades, which is most of the uh, Vertigo stuff as well, is 50% off. So this is some great stuff. And then, of course, the Marvel Now bundles uh, you can get at great discounts. If you buy them all, I believe it's a 50% discount um, if you buy the bundle of Marvel Now titles. So definitely check it out, dcbservice.com. We thank them for their support. 
And if you're a first-time customer with DCB Service or uh, you haven't ordered anything from them in a year, use the uh, code WD8 and you'll save another 8% on top of your uh, purchase already. And even if you're not into the comic at all on The Walking Dead, you just they have a really cool Michonne hoodie I saw on their website uh, with Michonne and her two pets emblazoned on the back of a hoodie. Uh, they had a Rick Grimes costume, if you want to cosplay as Rick Grimes. Uh, a lot of cool stuff. A Carl Stay in the House t-shirt I thought it was funny. Um, so you know, check it out, DCB Service, and save an extra 8% with that code. All right, so thank again, good point, Jim, on the discount code. So I think now that we've gotten the the business taken care of, we're ready to get to business. Uh, so I'll I'll hand it back to you, Mr. Dietz. Well, this episode of the third uh, the third episode of the third season is called "Walk with Me," and it's interesting. It's the first episode that isn't centered really on Rick and the group. It's not. Uh, it's all all Andrea and Michonne centered, and basically uh, they they see a crashed helicopter. They go to the site and they meet the governor and they get to go to Woodbury and we get to see a lot of elements from the comic kind of retranslated now in, in the show. It's it a really good episode. How were the ratings on this episode? Were they still steadily climbing as we've seen through uh, the season so far? Well that's a great question Jim and if Jordan was here I'm sure he'd be able to answer that because that seems to be his uh, superpower is finding the ratings the day after they air. Um, so I don't know I'm going to blame it on Frankenstorm and I guess we'll catch up ratings Next week, which is odd because normally they uh, they do a pretty good job of keeping those updated, but with all the other news going on, that probably just wasn't high on everybody's list. Yeah, it's everybody who's listening has to realize this is like Voltron running on only three lines uh, this week because of the hurricane. So apparently, John and Jordan are right in the thick of things, especially John at the moment. D- didn't he send us an he sent us an email earlier saying something about his neighbor's tree? flying through his fence and crushing John's children's uh, swing set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said if the wind was blowing the other way, it would have gone through his house. So That's ridiculous. Crazy, crazy stuff. Well, let's, uh, let's pick up the slack and let's get into this episode. Again, this episode is called Walk With Me, like Jim said. The episode opens with a helicopter, interestingly enough, flying over the countryside. Uh we see inside there's some uh, military guys in there. They begin to have some mechanical problems with the helicopter. It crashes. And Quite Question real quick before we get to the crash and everything. Do you guys think this is the same helicopter we've been seeing over and over? Like these same guys using the same helicopter? And that's why it broke down. It's because it just over, like what, it's been like eight to ten months since the outbreak. Uh, that the you know the helicopter just broke down because of uh, you know maintenance because you know it's been so long. I mean, is it the same helicopter? I mean, you know what I mean. At yeah. the end of the last season, we it's, saw the helicopter, and first season, it's possible. Yeah, it, I, I would say it's possible, even probable, that it might be the same helicopter that we saw recently. But I wouldn't say it's. Um, well, I was about to say I wouldn't say it's the one we saw at the beginning. But now that I think about it, there was a. What have we decided? They, um, as we learned in this episode, an eight-month gap. Uh, is that possible? He said eight months. They were on the road. Maybe they were maybe uh, seven, seven, seven. Eight, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they were just guessing at the point. They really didn't know because they'd been around for so long. But I would say. Well, I know Andrea in this episode also says that they've been. Her and Michonne have been together for what? Eight yeah, months that's what I was time. thinking. So, if it's going to be a helicopter, I was going to say it's probably the one that we saw at the end of next or at the end of last season. It wouldn't be the one at the beginning, but well, the one the one we saw 
at the at the end of last season was the same one that was in the premiere because remember it started over the city oh, and that's yeah. how they showed that's how they showed the herd gathering they you know they backed it all the way up to that point and then kind of brought it forward to say okay this is how the, these herd of zombies just showed up they didn't just show up out of nowhere they you know it started with the helicopter and then kind of went from there um, they did make a point with the helicopter with the when with the army guy saying that they were part of a convoy and they launched the helicopter to kind of go ahead or do some reconnaissance or something like that. So um, it appears that th- that it was a part of a, a regular military convoy. So this thing was either being carried on a truck um, and then was used kind of sparingly to scout ahead. So it could very well be the same helicopter we saw um, in seasons one and two. That's true. And I had forgotten that the the helicopter we saw at the end of last season was actually the beginning because they went back to the beginning of the story with that episode like you said following the herd over the months it turns out that guy's uh, part of the national guard as we'll find out here in a little bit yeah i was just wondering if that was if you guys thought that was the same helicopter we'd been seeing all along i n- i never even thought about it but i don't see why it couldn't be so uh andrea and michonne see the crash Andrew is still it looks very sick. Uh, they start walking towards the crash. They find the crew dead and the pilot heavily injured. Uh, Michonne hides Andrea in the bushes along with uh, her pets, and she stealthily walks towards the crash to take a look around. She finds one of the soldiers uh, in half, and it kind of gives her pause. That was a that was a pretty. Uh, grody effect yeah pretty graphic for television i thought to see a person eviscerated and ripped in half like that uh, just incredible i mean i'm just thinking you know like 10 or i mean 20 or even 10 years ago i mean there would have been an outcry on television now i mean that was yeah pretty brutal uh as michonne is checking it out she hears uh one third there's some vehicles yeah some vehicles drive up so she runs back and hides in the bushes with andrea and we see a handful of big burly men get out, one of which we will come to know as the governor later in the episode. They're looking around. They watch uh, from the bushes. They see these men uh, kill one of the people, that one of the crash survivors that's still alive. They bring that up later, and we'll talk about that. Um, this concerns them, obviously, because they don't know what we know. And... Uh, just about the time they're about to leave, uh, Michonne's pets start making noise and chains are rattling and clanking and they're getting agitated. And without a second of hesitation, Michonne uh, beheads both of them to keep their uh, presence quiet from these strange men that they've just found. I thought, you know, she's been dragging these pets around for so long and then it was just a split second. There was no question about whether they were that important to her because she immediately just took them out. And again, another great Michonne move, just very, uh, very much the Michonne we know and love uh, from the comic, just very quick, decisive with the katana and back down. As soon as that happens, uh, it appears that they've saved themselves from being discovered when lo and behold, a familiar voice from behind Andrea comes into play and immediately I start giggling because I know exactly who it is. You can just tell Michael Rooker's voice is, uh, when Merle gets to drop on him, she's going for her blade already. 
You know what I mean? By the yeah. time he has the blade on, you know, the blade to her neck, she's already grabbing for the katana. And then he's like, ah, nice and easy. But, I mean, she is, you know, very much on it. It's just really, really cool scene. Now, did you guys think on that one shot of Andrea, we don't see Merle yet, but she, we see her listening to his voice, and it almost looks like she recognizes the voice, and she's like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, yeah. She turns around and sees who it is, and... She just faints. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Oh, but he's he gets that the worker gets that great line, you know. How about a how about a hug for your old buddy Merle? Yeah, yeah. And then and then she faints. And we see <laughs> that was just great. We see his uh, his Bruce Campbell type appendage on his right arm, and yeah, and then she faints. I thought that was a really uh, really funny scene when she did that. Plus, there's that great part where he's, he's like, Blondie, looking good. And then a walker comes up, and he, without any hesitation, or even really looking at the walker, he just puts the knife from his, uh, his you know, uh, evil dead arm right into its brain. Great, great scene. Yeah, it was a cool move because he really didn't pay it any mind um, until it was literally right on top of him. That's how confident and uh, and such a you know a badass that Merle is. He's just like, yeah, until it's breathe until I feel it breathing on my neck, I really you know don't even I'm not even worried about it. Yeah, he seems very used to this situation. It's like he's like he's you know had months of it under his arm, so to speak. So uh, we we rejoin them when Andrea regains consciousness. They're in a vehicle, and uh, we hear. Um, some people talking. We hear Andrea ask for Michonne. Michonne says, I'm right here. She's looking out the window through her blindfold. We kind of see a guy standing. Well, as she's coming into Woodbury, she sees the bodies hanging up in the trees. Yeah. Out, outside of the truck. And again, another image from the, the comic. They're just really kind of iconic. I remember uh, seeing, it in, seeing it in the show. And then we just see glimpses of her coming in wrecked cars. Then kind of, you know, everything's kind of... They kind of you kind of learn about Woodbury as they do because as they come in they aren't really seeing it until you know they wake up and they start asking questions. Right. She wakes up. There's a doctor lady in there taking care of her. Uh, then Merle comes back in, asks the doctor to leave, and the three of them have a chat. Merle tells them how he managed to escape from Atlanta and made his way to Woodbury, where he has become the governor's uh, right hand man, so to speak. Um. Andrea tells Merle about everything that's gone on with their group. You know, it's interesting when she lists all the names of the people that had died, she didn't mention Shane. I wonder if that was deliberate. Yeah. Or did she even know? Because as it happened, I mean, she she never reconvened with everybody at the, you know, beside the dying fire. She never got back together with the group a- after that point. So she might not even know if Shane is dead. Yeah, you're exactly yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. That, you're exactly right. That's why she didn't mention it. She mentions Amy dies. Yeah, she mentioned her last, which, you know, fitting. But it was funny because when she's naming everybody off, I was like, okay, they can't be that clumsy that they're going to forget Amy. And then she named Amy last. Um, And then it was kind of an odd moment because Merle says, you know, she was a good kid or something like that. So I just, you know, it was a very un-Merle-like moment right there. Well, you know, he's got a brother and he can imagine what it would be like to lose Daryl and kind of has, you know, to some degree. Yeah, yeah. 
it's interesting too when we saw Merle before he was high off his ass on medication and then he was like you know sunstroked in the in the heat you know strapped to the top of the building or whatever so this is like a much calmer Merle you know what I mean this is more just like like you said very un-Merle Merle but it's just like a calmer more he's kind of found his place at the governor's side you know what I mean he feels very confident there do you notice it looks like Michael Rooker has lost a lot of weight? He has. I mean, when I saw him at Austin Comic Con on Sunday, he definitely looks like he's slimmed down. You could see it in his, you know, in his face, um, you know, and, and just in, in his, you know, like his neck. I mean, he he definitely looks like he's he's slimmed down uh, quite a bit, and you know, especially from some of his older roles. Like I think even you know Walking Dead season one, but. Um, you know, in the in the mid '90s, I guess you saw him in uh, in Mallrats. If you, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, and he even mentioned that on the panel that you know def- he was definitely heavier. At this point, the governor comes in, introduces himself, not by name. We learn that later. Uh, lets them know that they are not prisoners. Uh, do you see bars on the doors and stuff like that? You can have your weapons when you leave you know, out the front gates. Uh, she says, "Show us the way," and. Uh, he takes them outside, and uh, they get a glimpse of uh, what's going on. Um, well, this is when he first says, walk with me, too, which is, yeah. he says it to him a few times as the episode goes on, and each time he's showing him a different facet of Woodbury and you know what he's created and what he's done there. I missed an important point. Before they leave the room and go outside, Andrea calls him on killing the pilot, and he's, uh, you know, they are unaware that you turn no matter what. And this is when they find out that this is the case. This is when the governor says, it don't matter. We're all going to turn. So they um, have to deal with that knowledge now. Then they go outside. This is when we hear somebody refer to him as the governor. And she says, they call you that. And he says, some nicknames stick whether you want them to or not. Uh, the town is secure, plenty of food and water. They have electricity. Uh, they've got guns. They've got weapons. Michonne, however, is not impressed still. You can tell she's... Well, she even you know, takes her aside and says to her, I don't trust him. You know, and then one time they talk to each other um, that you know, Michonne just does not trust the governor at all. Yeah, that's the next morning when um, they've had a night's sleep. Andrea looks a little better. Andrea's like, just give it a day. You know, you can tell she's she's enjoying not having to run. She's enjoying feeling a little better. Then we get some interesting, uh, some more interesting information about the governor and things that are going on. Uh, there's a, uh, a secret, uh, building or something where they have a experiment type of thing going on. What would you guys call this? Well, it's, it's this guy, Milton. He's like one of his, his headmen or whatever. And he has him, he has him set up in a lab or he's kind of experimenting on stuff and he's kind of done forensics on uh, Michonne's pets and uh, realizes that, you know, she was smart. She was using them not, not only for pack mules, but for camouflage, you know, that she deliberately taken off their arms and their jaws. And uh, he also, uh, on another good point in the laboratory scene, you know, the governor's like, well, well, you know, why haven't they starved to death? It's been eight to, you know, 10 months or something since we, you know, this all started. And uh, the guy says they are starving to death. It just takes them a lot longer to do so. So that kind of explains why the, you know, how the zombies are able to go on and on without you know consuming brains. It, it turns out the uh, the wounded pilot uh, from the plane crashes here. The governor is asking him some questions, and the, the pilot reveals that he used to be part of the National Guard refugee camp. 
while their camp was well supplied and protected, somebody inside the camp turned into a walker and created a panic, causing the defenses to fall. Only a small group of them were able to escape. The pilot uh, tells the governor where they were because the governor says, you tell me where they are. I promise you if they're alive, I'll bring them back and we'll keep them safe. As we learn later, the governor has different ideas. Yeah, and that was interesting because that's something we kind of speculated in the the preview for next week, last week, that he was either talking probably to, we thought, Michonne or Andrea, and that he was he was talking to somebody that was going to reveal the location of where Rick and his crew were. Um or, or or something else. Um, and so that was kind of cool to see how sometimes when they put these previews together, your mind starts going and you think you've got it figured out and know what they're doing. And then when you see it, you know, for real, it, it it's something completely different. So I thought that was kind of a cool um, twist where you got the same line, but because it, it was in it, it had a different, you know, it was it was to a different person completely outside the normal group. It just kind of made you made you think a little bit. I've noticed that they do that a lot with these previews. Um, every episode, I think I know what's going to happen, and then I don't because the preview was deliberately misleading, and, and uh, I approve of this. Something real quick that happens also in that laboratory scene, Merle talks to the governor about Rick's group, about, you know, well, she came from a group of, you know, guys, and he went, and the governor's immediately interested and wants to know, you know, all about them, and that's why I hate, they end up having breakfast together. Yep. The next morning, the governor and Milton join Andrea and Michonne for breakfast. Uh, Andrea is receptive to the governor's uh, charisma and charm, but Michonne, obviously, still is suspicious. Is anybody else creeped out a little bit by Milton? Yeah. He reminds me of the guy. He reminds me. Did you guys ever see uh, George Romero's Day of the Dead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw it once, Um, once long ago. Um, this guy reminds me of the scientist in that who just wants his zombies as a, you know an experiment and a science project. You know, did any of you guys think that maybe something was in the tea that they were giving the girls? I did for a little bit, and then I was like, "Well, they're drinking it also." So I don't know. There was some weirdness going on with the scene that really kind of. Well, the governor made a point about the tea earlier. He's like, "Well, that's why I keep you around for this and for your tea," and then he uh, gives them a you know a cup of tea. Yeah, you know, so I guess he's like either very particular about tea, or there maybe there is something to that. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of I, I tend to be very suspicious of anything, you know. Especially, you know, this is where having some foreknowledge of the comics, uh, you know, maybe it kind on one hand it maybe makes you a little too, uh, you, you know, on one hand it makes you look a little too hard when maybe there's nothing there. Um, but on the other hand, it's kind of cool because you just really never know. Like It's like you know something's going to happen, but you're not sure what it is. Um, and in this instance, at least as far as we know now, it, it turned out to be nothing. But it was kind of cool to you know, have your, your wheels kind of spinning to see you know, if it's going to materialize into something. Yeah, sometimes I find myself wishing that I'd never read the comic so I wouldn't be constantly filled with this sense of anticipation and expectation. Well, I mean, look, this episode's a good testament as to why, you know, even if you have read the comic, why the, the television show is so worthwhile on its own. I mean, this is a very different interpretation of the governor than than what we saw in the comics. You know, I mean, this, uh, until like the very last scene in here, he seems like a very, you know, very much down-home kind of guy. In, in Woodbury, in the comics, you know, the, the governor was much, you know, much different. 
Um, so, I mean, even though we've read the comics and we, we enjoyed them, I mean, I can enjoy the, the TV show for what it is on its own and because it's, a, you know, a very different interpretation of what, what happens in those, those same character beats. Yeah, completely. I, I agree. There was a, an interview I saw with David Morrissey, who plays the governor, um, on amctv.com and it was either in the video interview portion that I saw or is the text interview that I read, but he mentions the fact that his governor is different from the comic book governor in that when we meet the governor in the comic, he is the way he's going to be throughout the rest of the comic. And his take on this TV character is that we will see him over the next several episodes evolve into the man that we know. And I think we've started to see signs of that with this episode for sure. But he does seem a bit friendlier, a bit nicer than our, than his comic book counterpart. All right. So, uh, they have breakfast. Yes. They have breakfast later. Uh, we see the governor, uh, no later. We cut to a group of, uh, military men turns out to be national guard. Um, and we find out that this is the group that our pilot came from, and we see the governor driving up in a car, waving a white flag out the window, looking very innocent. Well, before before we get to that, we get to the. Um, I want to mention. I'm sorry. Right before that, we get a confrontation between Andrea and, and Michonne. There, Michonne obviously you know, does not trust the governor in any possible way, and Andrea is willing to kind of give him a chance. And they're kind of at different, you know, opposite ends on that. You know what I mean? And they've kind of, you know, after being together in, you know, solid solidarity as a, as a you know, a, a, a team for, for as long as they have. Now they're, they're dissenting because Michonne does not trust the governor at all. And, uh, you know, rightfully so, as we find out in the next scene. And, uh, you know, Andrea kind of wants to believe in this safe haven that they made at Woodbury. I'm glad you brought that up because it just made me remember, uh, obviously because I missed it, but it made me remember that uh, the one like one of the governor's men that was outside their bedroom at night, he's following him through the town. He's got that really wacky hair. Uh, what do you make of this guy? You think he's uh, interested in Michonne or do you think he's just distrustful of these newcomers or what do you think's going on here? Or the governor's told him to keep an eye on him. All of the above. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say all the above. Um, what real, real quick on the, on the governor, showing up waving the white flag for whatever reason it kind of gave me a uh, superman 2 moment when when luthor <laughs> comes in with after the the three villains have have uh crashed into the daily planet and are kind of holding everybody at bay and uh luthor comes in and kind of pulls out his handkerchief and starts waving it around kind of like um you know this unsuspecting looking person is going to come and just wants to have a chat uh i don't know it just it just kind of struck me that way mr luthor he drives up, he gets out, he's waving the flag and says, your pilot, you know, we found him, we saved him. The other guy's not so much. I'm sorry about that. Um, but he told us where you were. And I don't remember exactly what he says, but he makes them very comfortable with his presence and being there. They offer him something and he says, nah, we'll just take everything else. He doesn't say these words, but these are the feelings that I get when I remember the, the scene uh, and he just out of nowhere just pulls a gun and shoots the commanding officer in the head. All his cronies are hiding out all around, 
everybody is dropping left and right, bullets flying. They're obviously overwhelmed. Great shot as the governor pulls out his gun and takes his first shot of two bodies falling almost in slow-mo as the governor is not even breaking his stride walking toward the camera. It's a really cool uh, effect and a cool shot. Yeah, that it, it definitely was. There was some really good camera work, some good editing in this. Before you know it, the military is completely dead. And here's where we get probably our first big clue, big sign, big tease that the governor is not quite maybe the man that he's trying to portray to us as viewers up to this point and to uh, the people of Woodbury and uh, Andrea Michonne. You think? Yeah. just murdered a bunch (laughs) of guys in cold blood for their ammunition and their jeeps. Right. You think maybe he's not such a nice guy? It was funny, too, because his crew, if you look at his crew when they go, uh, um, you know, to take out the National Guard guys, there's the governor who is like the evil Rick. There's an evil Asian guy who's like Dark Glenn. You know, there's a big black guy who is like, you know, Dark T-Dog. Yeah. You know, and then there's Merle who's like Evil Daryl. It's like mirror. Yeah, it's like a mirror universe. Right. It's like Mirror Mirror, the famous uh, Star Trek episode where they had, you know, the evil Kirk and Spock. Uh, they had the facial hair, and the the good Kirk and Spock yeah. did not, you know. But uh, I just thought it was weird that they have like a counterpart for every one of our group in their group. That's that's uh, very observant, and I approve of that obs- observation. Uh, the governor returns to Woodbury, and basically <laughs> lies to the town, and says to them. You know, we went to find these guys to bring them back. They were all dead. This should teach us a lesson that we need to stick together. We are essential to each other's survival. We have to look out for each other. We have to watch out for each other. I got your back. You get my back. You get your neighbor's back. Just pouring it on thick. And I got to say at this point, I've already said his name, but now I'm I'm uh, drawing a blank. David Morrissey. There we go. I've never seen this guy. Never heard of this guy. He's uh, he's British. Yes. 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 Have you guys ever seen him in anything? Yeah, he was in an episode of Doctor Who called I think it was the Other Doctor or the Two Doctors, and uh, he played a guy that. Um, spoiler alert for Doctor Who, but he played a, a guy that um, came in contact with the Doctor at some point and. Um, I think it was either knocked unconscious or some sort of uh, storm or something like that happened, and he thought he was the doctor in like the eighteen. I think it was the eighteen hundreds, um, and it, he actually he did a really good job. I mean, he he definitely has the chops. Which and he played this very sweet, humble uh, kind of guy. So that's when he was first cast as or listed as cast as a governor. It kind of made me um, maybe pause a little bit because knowing what the governor looks like in the comics and his and his disposition in the comics, and then contrasting that with what I saw this guy on Doctor Who, it just didn't really jive. But uh, I, after the episode, I'll, I'll kind of give my thoughts on what I think about uh, the casting of of Morrissey as the governor. You know, in general, um, you know, just so we don't bog down here, but. Uh, but yeah, he's I, he's he's I, I he's got the chops. I'll, I'll put it that way. I was gonna say as much, but I'll save you know more of my thoughts for that later. But yeah, I'm I'm extremely pleased with his his uh, acting ability, his portrayal. Uh, you know, he he's obviously British. He does a really good job hiding his uh, accent, just like Andrew Lincoln does. But I'd noticed a lot of times if I closed my eyes, 
then uh, I would think David Morrissey sounded a lot like Liam Neeson on occasion when he's trying to hide his yeah, accent. I thought the same That's thing. That's amazing because I was going to say I got a I got a total Liam Neeson vibe uh, off of David Morrissey, especially in the more uh, brutal scenes where Liam Neeson can just go from smiling and charming to, you know, like what he played Rachel Ghoul or whatever from, you know, from um, um, benevolent to evil in, you know, in, the, in the drop of a dime. Um, I just thought you know, I got a real Liam Neeson vibe off of him uh, seeing him work uh, as the governor. And, and, you know, it's a very different portrayal from what we're used to or what we probably expected from reading the comic, but I do approve. When he was uh, interrogating the, the pilot, in that laboratory, I half expected him to to tell the pilot that he had a very particular set of skills. That's <laughs> <laughs> a Taken reference. You know, I still have not seen the first Taken. Oh, man. Yeah, you got to do that. I will watch it tonight when we're done. I promise you. Okay, so he lies to the town, uh, and then he uh, leaves and heads on back to his uh, abode. Andrew, it stops him though, as he, after he makes his, uh, uh, you know, inspirational speech. Yeah, there was a to the crowd, and he's like, you know, and she kind of questions him a little bit more, and then he has that uh, that one line with her. He's like, uh, "What's your real name?" And he says, "I never tell." And she says, "Never say never." And he looks at her and says, "Never." Yeah. And then walks away. Yeah, that was a great scene. That was a great and scene. Then we get the very last scene, which is is chilling. And very much out of the comic, oh, and, and very very telling about the uh, about the character of the governor. He walks by a beautiful woman in his bed. He's got a scotch in his hand. You know, all this. You know, he has the finest house in all of Woodbury, and he walks into this like he looks at the family that he lost. You know, in the zombie apocalypse in the picture, he takes you know the, a key around from his neck and opens the door to a secret room in the back. And, and this was pretty much right out of the comic. Oh my gosh! This yeah. I, I, as soon as he walked in, I just knew, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I was shaking like a little girl on a first date. I mean, I was just so excited and he, uh, he sits down and then you hear it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Did you guys hear it? No, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. As soon as he sits down, I could hear what sounded like fish tanks, water bubbling. And it, and as soon as I heard that, I knew it. And we see the well in the comic, isn't it? Aren't they? Uh, aren't they televisions? No, aren't they like empty televisions. Okay, they are fish tanks. Yeah, they're fish yeah. tanks full of water, and inside the water are zombie heads. And there aren't his the one like three quarter shot from over his shoulder, looking at that wall of zombie heads. And actually, I don't. They aren't all zombie heads. They're they're zomb- they're heads of people he's had to kill too. Like the very last shot shows that Air Force pilot or that uh, National Guard pilot. Right, as one of the heads is like the new head in the tank. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking it's more like people he's had to kill to get to where he is, rather than you know zombies. It might be. That's a good point. I I didn't hadn't thought of that. I did see Michonne's pets in there. Apparently, when uh, when they uh, found Michonne and Andrew, they collected the pets because we saw them and their heads because we saw them in the laboratory, and then uh, in one of the tanks was the uh, were the zombie heads of Michonne's pets, and then in like. Jim said at the very top was the pilot that he was interrogating. And uh yeah, that shot was was definitely right out of the comics. This uh, for those of you uh who never read the book, it was at this point in the book when I thought okay, this guy is completely bonkers. This guy is bad news. Nothing good can happen when this guy is involved 
with anything. There's an element in the comic, which I won't specify verbally here. I expected to see it. Maybe I didn't expect. I wanted to see it, and I think Jim and Russell know what I'm talking about. Um, There's another character, we'll say, in the comic that we did not see in this episode. Um, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed, but I kind of wanted to see what they might do. But like Jim said, there was another person in this um, in this place. It was a, a lady in the bed sleeping. I believe it was the, and we, we kind of blew past this earlier in the conversation. This was the lady that was leading Michonne and Andrea around the town, showing them uh, this and that, explaining you know how the governor had really kind of solidified the townspeople into building a civilization again and things like that. I think that was that lady, don't you guys? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I it would it would make sense. It would, and uh, I mean, she was on her stomach, laying face down, and I. The only way, the reason I think it might be that is because of the way that that lady was talking about the governor. Plus, it looked like the same hair long straight brown hair so anyway and then that uh the episode ends on that shot with uh what was the what's the saying that uh jim used it before we started recording and i think didn't he say it in the comic book also it's uh it's a quote from a bruce springsteen song actually it's 57 channels and nothing on yeah that was the quote in the comic uh from the same scene in the comic book there was two or three times as many fish tanks with heads in it uh, but it still gets the point across. This guy's uh, this guy's not all right. He's not firing on all sides. He's he's a taco short of a combo is what this guy is. I just couldn't believe they did it, that they showed it on TV. I didn't think, I thought that would be something they would leave out. And I did not believe that they would bring that out and, and have it as you know, the end of the episode. But they totally did. And I'm glad they did because it really punctuates how messed up the governor really is and how messed up it's going to get. Season goes on. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think there's any other punctuation that they could have used to drive the point home, uh, as far as it needed to be driven. I'm. I was just so very completely. I'm thinking about that scene now. I'm. I'm. I've got goosebumps. I backed it up and watched it again. I was like, "That's too awesome! I got to see that twice." <laughs> and uh, like Jim said earlier, we didn't see hiding her hair of Rick. Lori, Carl, Glenn, all them guys. And this is the first time that Andrew Lincoln and Sarah Wayne Callies were not in an episode of The Walking Dead. Yeah, that, I noticed that that too. I, I kind of liked it. You know, one of the things we talked about for, when we covered season two was we almost wished that they would have taken this approach to some degree. Like they would have um, split the group off or had an episode focused on one aspect or the other. Um, so, you know, to kind of advance things along and not have it kind of, uh, you know, short shrift some of the characters like it did. I mean, we saw that, I guess, with the one episode with Daryl 18 miles out. No, no. With, you know, when, yeah, when Daryl was right, right, right. Um, and and then, yeah, the the 18 miles out was another one, but you know, with, with all of the, even though it was a, a smaller tight knit group, there were, you know, kind of a lot going, you know, there was a lot of little stories going on, you know, Maggie and Glenn, and then you had. Daryl and Carol and, you know, and, and, you know, Shane and Rick and Lori, you know, all these, you know, Herschel, all these things going on. Um, so I really thought it was cool, especially with, you know, Woodbury and the governor being a very separate and distinct environment than Rick and his counterparts in the jail. Um, and I like that they, they found a good bridge with that, with having Andrea and Michonne kind of be 
you know, that bridge. So they didn't completely throw us into this new environment with only Merle, who we haven't seen, you know, for for well over a season. So we kind of keep those characters to 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 you know give you know there are point of view characters into the into this this town in this in this environment. Um, so I I kind of like that. Um, and I think next week we're going to get, get more of a, of a mixed bag. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I appreciated the, the break this week, so to speak. Let me read Jordan's thoughts. He emailed them to us because he knew uh, that he would not be able to join us because of the storm. Uh, he says, love the governor. I thought the changes they made to his character were great. He comes off as an almost awesome guy until the end. Milton, uh, the scientist slash tea guy, like uh, Jim said, was a great nod to Day of the Dead with the way he performs experiments on the zombies. He also loved the lab set. It was a nice change from the rest of the places shown in the episode. It was. It was like the one place until the end when we see the governor's secret room, but it was like the one creepy place in all of the town. Yeah, definitely. Merle was great. This was the first time we've seen the real Merle. The first three times he was high, suffering from heat stroke and a hallucination. Real Merle is still a bad guy, but at least he's not a cartoon character. Michonne was good, and maybe a bit too one-note in this episode. She was so nice and bubbly on The Talking Dead, but to see her here just in, quote, angry eyes mode the whole time was a bit boring. Hopefully they give her more depth as the show moves on, and I'm sure they will. Woodbury is Truman Show-level creepy, and I like it. Awesome. John was supposed to, uh, uh, he wanted to call in briefly, and I sent him a text message, but apparently his phone ran out of juice because we haven't heard from him, so we're hoping uh, he's okay up there. Yeah, I imagine. And, and Jordan, too. Yeah, I imagine the cell towers are probably just getting hammered, you know, between, you know, regular, you know, power being down and phone lines being down and everything else. Everybody's, you know, calling to check on everybody. So I imagine those cell towers are probably just getting getting beat beat pretty bad so all i know is i'm i'm about 400 miles away from where they are in the storm and we're getting pounded with heavy wind and rain here so wow i can't imagine what it'd be like there yeah yeah uh courtney robinson a uh listener of the show and a friend of the walking dead tv podcast on facebook says hey guys just a few thoughts about last night's episode i know a few people have said they were bored or that they missed rick and company before watching the episode, I myself was worried about spending the entire episode in Woodbury, but I found myself sucked in from the minute that helicopter crashed and Merle showed up asking for hugs to the ending with the crazy pants governor in his aquarium. It was interesting meeting other survivors. That being said, I definitely want to get back to the prison and Rick, and I'm wondering just how long it'll take these two groups to collide. It was great to see Merle back. Merle was an ass, but was an interesting character, even more so now. One thing I was curious about was the fact that Andrea was so freely spilling her guts about Rick and everyone else. After how freaked out everyone was back on the farm that when there was an outsider there, she thought she'd err more on the side of caution about giving out information about her former group. That being said, maybe she thinks they're all dead or long gone. She still has no idea what kind of threat her new friends might be. She seems totally ready to stick things out in Woodbury while only Michonne is reserving judgment. She gives it four and a half busters. You got something, Russ? Yeah, I got an email from Mr. Aaron Newworth uh, from Out Now with Aaron and Abe, a podcast you could find on the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Um, he says, hey, dudes, this is another great episode of The Walking Dead, further showing off how things have great have greatly improved for the series overall. 
This week's choice of taking a break from the dictatorship and switching gears to Andrea Michonne as they meet the governor in the quaint little town known as Woodbury was a great one and the kind of thing that should keep anyone intrigued by the, by the series, um, by, the, by where the series is going. Some big highlights for him. Um, he said the governor is here and he's a bad man. Um, after keeping up the ruse that everyone knew would come to an end at some point, we see his villainous nature come out, firmly establishing him as a guy not to be trusted no matter how warmly he presents himself. Um, Merle is back, and technically better than ever. Uh, while first showing up as a ridiculous stereotype, the series has grown enough where his presence is, a less, is less of a broad interference and more of an imposing figure. Uh, Andrea is on board for now, despite some early reservations. She seems to be convinced by the governor's spiel. Uh, of course, as she learns herself, he'll never tell what's really going on. What is going on? Dr. Milton seems to be experimenting on the dearly dispatched pets Michonne had in tow. Um, which which we talked about earlier as well. Michonne always has her stuff together. While Michonne has reasons not to be convinced, uh, I was not quite convinced with her. By that I mean it's time to flesh her out more, as she can't just be a badass all the time. Hopefully we'll get more on her soon. Um, has a character said her name out loud yet? Uh, yes, actually we heard um, Andrea say it this episode Yeah, yeah. as they were being carted in. And I think Andrea said it in... Um, the season premiere when we saw a little bit of them. Yeah, I don't remember it that then, but I I only saw it the one time, so it's 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 highly possible as well. But yeah, I do remember her saying it uh, this week. Uh, Four and a half busters overall, a really strong episode that does a lot by focusing on one key part of the story. Looking forward to seeing how the Woodbury wreckers and the prisoner and the prison pioneers eventually come to find each other and most likely face off. Uh, P.S. I know it's in the comic too, but you think the governor has his aquarium as a tribute to the floating heads in Futurama? I've never seen Futurama, so I I can't comment on that. Oh, you're a Simpsons fan, but you've never oh. seen Futurama. Well, Off technically, I'm not a uh, technically I'm not a Simpsons fan either. It it rarely makes me laugh. Uh, Futurama would make. I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what. No, I, I've seen one episode of Futurama, and I sat there the whole time without laughing, and I I did not give it another chance. Early seasons of The Simpsons made me laugh greatly. The last 10 years or so have been not up to my standards, so I just stopped watching. Yeah, you you may have caught it on off night. There's a lot of episodes that you would probably laugh hysterically. Um, but one of the Star Trek episode alone, yeah. I think, would put you in stitches. Yeah, exactly. They're, one of the big tropes. With Welshie. <laughs> yeah. You're talking Futurama? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe I'll give it another chance. One of the, one of the big tropes with Futurama is... All of these people from our era, you know, it, it takes place at the year 3000 um, and, and, a, and the main character falls asleep and or is in a cryo freeze and wakes up in the year 3000. But it, all of the people that are were like famous in our lifetimes are all preserved as talking heads in, in a jar. So like <laughs> the entire cast of Star Trek, Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon's a big one that always uh, shows up. Um, just just every everybody is a head in a jar. I think Lincoln is it's it's really funny. Um, how they use them sometimes. I mean, I think I think in one episode Nixon put his head on a robot body, um, and ran mm. around saying Nixon smash. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, it's good stuff. Well, do you think the you think the answer to Aaron's question would be, uh, no, it's not a tribute to the heads in Futurama, but perhaps Robert Kirkman using it in the comic was because that yeah. happened first. No, yeah, that's very possible. Yeah, it could be it could be you know another case of art imitating life imitating art, but uh Yeah. or art imitating art imitating art, I guess. Uh yeah, that's very very possible. Russell, what about you? How many busters? 
I give this one four. Uh, and I've, I've been pretty generous and, and high in the rankings for the last two, and then with the finale in season two. But this was a good, solid episode. There wasn't anything that really put me off. I, I, I do agree that I would like to see Michonne start to grow a little more as a character. But I, I also think that you could tell there's a lot going on inside of there. Like the way she looks and her eyes moving around, there's more that she's not saying, you know, obviously, than she is saying. So that, that keeps me intrigued. Um, as far as the governor goes, uh, yeah, I talked earlier that I would I would elaborate uh, on this, but I like the fact that they're not making him a one note type of villain. And I think as nasty and as dastardly as he was in the comic, and I'm I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, and I think it, just because of the nature of how long he was on the show or in in the book, and what they were trying to achieve or what Kirkman was trying to achieve in the book, he became somewhat one note pretty quickly i mean you know once the once the the switch was made um he pretty much just became this reprehensible um irredeemable type of person and because of who they cast in this role and the way they've written him so far i think they're going for a bit of a different take with this version of the governor somebody that is going to keep the the viewer guessing as to um you know what his real motivations are. Is he really a horrible person? Does he really have a you know? Is he really um, you know just kind of taking Rick's philosophy to the next level? Um, I think there's going to be some interesting confrontation coming up between the two of uh, of them and their styles, um, and it, it'll be interesting to see how twisted this version of the governor gets, or if they keep that in the background for a while. So I'm I'm very excited for for what they're going to bring to the show with these two very different uh, camps. And uh, and the way they're they're each one's being run, and and you know the fact that Rick and his group are kind of struggling for survival, and you know live in these in these poor conditions, even though from their perspective, what it's a lot better than what they went through. Um, but here you have Woodbury as this idyllic, you know, in a post-apocalyptic world, this idyllic setting where people sleep in real beds, and there's medicine, and there's food, and um, you know, and people talk to each other and they're not afraid and, and things like that. So um, I, I'm very excited for what's to come. Jim Deeds. I give it a four or five. Uh, I liked it a lot. I like the new governor. I like the new take on the governor. I like how it's painting it in shades of gray rather than just you know, painting it black as, you know, just a, a straight up villain. It's almost like, uh, you know, parts of the governor are appealing and parts of him are not. And, uh, Definitely has the flavor of the character from the, the comic, and but it's definitely a different take, and I like that a lot. Uh, I thought it was cool that we got to break away from the dictatorship for, for a little bit. I really wish they, like uh, Russ was saying before, I wish they would do more episodes so they'd break off with like just following you know two or three characters at a time uh, on their own story. Just because you know sometimes it's hard to uh, to write you know really well for that whole ensemble cast and have everyone actually you know have a contribution into it. So I, I hope they do more episodes where they break off like a few characters like that. It was cool to see Woodbury through that perspective from Andrea and Michonne. Uh, showing up there, and uh, like Russ, I'm I'm excited for what's to come. So four or five. I'm right there with Jim. I'm giving it four and a half busters. I was thrilled with this episode. I was hesitant when it started. Um, I didn't miss Rick and his group at all during this thing. Uh, even though I kind of had some ideas of where this episode would go, I was still surprised, especially when uh, when he uh, drove up to the military outpost and just pulled a gun out of nowhere. I mean, I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. 
and it it shocked the TV viewer in me. Didn't shock the comic reader, but anyway, I just we're talking about the show. I loved it. The governor uh, David Morrissey thrilled, like I said, with his portrayal. I really like. You know, I expected one thing with the governor. You know, I had always, I think John and I had talked a long time ago about, you know, wanting Danny Trejo to play the governor because he resembles the man in the comic. But I couldn't be more happier with David Morrissey and and this new, like Jim said, this new take on the governor. So I'm giving it four and a half busters. So good. Just, you could tell it's like... Just like Aaron said, it's a very Truman Show thing going on. It's just there's something about this area. And, you know, we're all comic book fans. We're all superhero fans. One of our big complaints with some superhero movies is the time devoted to the setup of of the character or the origin of the main character. Uh, this felt like the perfect setup to the other half of this Walking Dead story. You know, it didn't drag. It didn't, there wasn't too much information. There wasn't not enough. There was, you know, it's not a two-parter. This was a one and done. This is the way it is. This is who this guy is. This is who they think he is, but this is who he really is. And it, I, it was just well done. It was perfect for me. Um, I thought about giving it five, but you know, I, I want to reserve that for those extra special episodes. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Let me ask you this. If if I, if I we rewound, I don't know, four years ago or plus, before this was even, the, the Walking Dead TV show was even um, a possibility, and we would have said or been told that, you know, uh, Shane is going to stick around for, you know, a lot, you know, quite a bit longer than he did in the comic. They're not going to follow that route. They're going to bring these other characters in that didn't exist in the comic. The governor is going to be portrayed this way and not that way. W- do you think we'd be poo-pooing this show like pretty hard? Um, and then contrast that with how much we're enjoying it because of the deviations and because of the changes that Kirkman is making on the fly to the show. I just, I just think um, as comic book fans, it's almost like. I'm glad that we're wrong in in you know so far. I think I think geeks are predisposed to being protective of what they love, of being critical of new interpretations of what they love. The new Spider-Man movie made me absolutely insane because I love Spider-Man. That's my thing. Spider-Man is my guy. You don't mess with Spider-Man. And to answer your question, I think if we had known what they were going to do with the show four years ago, I may not have even given it a chance. You know, I wanted a strict interpretation of the show. And like you said, I'm so thankful that that's not what we're getting. So, yeah, I, I, I really do think I, um, I wouldn't have been happy back then. It would have been too much information to to handle yeah yeah i don't know i think uh you know you if you're too slavish to uh your source material you end up with the movie watchman uh by Zack snyder you know um i like this interpretation and uh, i'm glad i'm glad it's deviating from you know page, page and chapter from the comic i am too my uh my 18 year old has just started book three uh of the comic the hardback 
of the comics. So that would be what with issue twenty five is what that starts with. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be like um, fifth. So fifth she's trade. just now getting into the the governor storyline. I said there's going to be some differences. Don't let that throw you off. You're going to run into some different characters. You know, she's met Tyrese. We haven't met Tyrese on the show. That kind of thing. So, but she loves it, and um, my mom loves it. Gosh, she was she was really upset when she found out she wasn't going to be able to watch it on on her dish. But now that it's back, she's thrilled. Um, this is a good time to be a a a geek fan of all kinds of things. There's so much going on geeky wise that has been good, and uh, this Walking Dead, in my opinion, is good. Yeah, you know, we have some common friends and and acquaintances who don't really care for this. And that kind of blows my mind. You know, um, I know it blows some people's mind that I don't find the Watchmen comic, uh, interesting or worth reading again. I understand that, you know, but I'm seeing it from this, my point of my side of the fence now is like, I don't understand how you don't like this show. It's fine. I get it, but it's just so good to me. I'm just so happy with it. Well, the, our Facebook friends uh, on our, our Facebook group for the Walking Dead TV podcast agree with you, uh, Brad. Uh, Terry gives it a four uh, four two five. Gives, I give it a four point two five pieces of drool coming out of the governor's mouth as he beats someone. Um, we also had uh, five out of five from Mike Jones. Uh, five out of five busters. Uh, Mary gave it a four point eight. Uh, granted, this is mostly due to the fact that I've been waiting for the introduction of the governor, so my excitement might skew the rating for the better. I mean, a lot of people really are enjoying uh, David Morrissey's version of the governor, just like we said we did. Uh, Michael gave us a solid 4.5, pouty Michonnes. Uh, did she look ready to hop across that table and choke out the governor, or what? <laughs> and that's a very Michonne thing to do. That would have been a very Michonne thing to do. Um... And then Rob Toll gave us a four out of five buster, or gave the show four out of five busters. Um, great introduction of the governor. I obviously didn't realize we hadn't seen Rick and the others at all until the preview for next episode came on. So thanks for, uh, we have a really active group on Facebook. If you want to follow us there, Walking Dead TV Podcast, just uh, type it in and join the group and uh, check it out. Some of our Twitter followers have commented that, the Sleeve PSU says, Meet the governor. Suddenly the walkers seem a lot less menacing, huh? Three and a half busters. Jimmy in Georgia says, A great character-driven episode. Four and a half busters. Busters. I was... <laughs> he says, I was expecting a different zombie ending. Not Futurama. So he, he obviously got that, made that connection as well. Yeah, yeah. Crispy Lunkett says, 4.25 busters. Solid ending. What's in the tea? Hmm, he thought about that too. Ali MB says definitely worth five busters. I'm so glad they are evening out screen time between characters. And Meg Stewart says great show, lots of stuff in the comic. Though I want the governor to be even more menacing and creepy. Four out of five from me. I would say just give it a few episodes, Meg. He'll probably get there. You can follow us at WDTV Podcast on Twitter. Anything else, guys? Uh, no, no, not that I can think of. Uh. Well, Jordan usually does a, a wrap-up and a uh, he's got like a boilerplate he likes to read. and um, Right, when the uh, dead, when there's no room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember. Let's all do one. Let Yeah, let's all do one. Jim, go first. 
Um, when there's no more room in hell, than, uh, hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, uh, Woodbury, it's a nice place to bring up your kids. Russell. Hmm. This is tough. Aha. Uh-huh. That's why we, that's why we miss Jordan. Yeah. John, not so much, but Jordan. <laughs> All right. Um, so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, try not to grab Michael Rooker for an interview right after he's done a Q&A. You might not get what you think. <laughs> and when there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, keep that katana sharp because you never know. That's dumb. <laughs> it is hard. This is difficult. I don't know how he does it every week. <laughs> that's, that's why he's Dr. Esquire. Remember, don't drink the tea. Stay away from the tea and that creepy one building in the in the corner of the town. Stay away from that too. If you want to hear the information for next episode, uh, you know, right after the the uh, you know the end of the show, we will put that there. So you don't you know, want to be, if you don't want to be spoiled, you don't have to uh, listen to that part at all. So I guess that about wraps it up for our hurricane edition, guys. All right, y'all stay safe up there. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Good night, everybody. Take it easy. Good night. So next episode is called The Killer Within. Uh, the fourth episode, uh, we, we are marked the halfway point uh, before the hiatus. And the synopsis that we've been given so far is, The group is severed, placing lives in jeopardy. And in Woodbury, Merle Dixon has made a request to the governor. Merle Dixon's request for the governor. Can I have a can opener on this? <laughs> that thing did not look comfortable. No, not at all.